Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of Lifelong Learner. This episode is with Chinesh and special guest Eric Allen. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lifelong Learner. So today I am joined with an overseas international guest. We have Eric Allen with us today. Thank you for joining us, Eric. Oh, thank you so much, man. It's truly an honor to be here, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. So Eric, I am going to get Eric to introduce himself, but I'm going to try and rattle off a little bit of uh, what I know about Eric, and um, and then I'll get Eric to fill in the blanks. So I'm going to start with the current, and I'll work backwards. So currently, Eric, Eric does a really great job at letting uh, the world know about up-and-coming MMA fighters and up-and-coming uh, MMA uh, entrepreneurs uh, in a current noisy world that, that we currently live in, um, getting them noticed. And uh, in his past, he's got an interesting interesting journey, which we'll dive into today. And um, Eric, I'm going to throw it to you to kind of fill in some of those um, some of those blanks and some of those uh, journey, and we'll, we'll dive into bits and pieces of it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, you know, I grew up in what I thought was a typical household, right? You know, like I went to Sunday school, played little league. My parents, all of a sudden they got divorced when I was 11 years old. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? Like, I didn't know anybody that had gotten a divorce. I didn't know anyone. None of my friends had divorced parents. And so it was just very strange to me. I never saw them fight really that much. I, I knew that my dad was a little bit of a drinker, but he was never yellow or abusive or anything like that. So it was very strange. And then my mom got together with a guy who was very physically abusive almost immediately where I remember like the first couple of times he was at her house, I remember him slapping her around and then like oh, wow. he'd be arguing and I'd be outside looking through the bedroom window and he'd be hitting her with a cordless phone, like just crazy. And the cops would come and my mom would never press charges and he would just keep doing it. Mm. And then they did the smart thing and they got pregnant. And I'm like, seriously, you know, and they decided to move us from Washington state up to small town, Montana. It was a small town called Stevensville, Montana, population 1200 people. And they rented this house on five acres and it was beautiful property ponds by the Bitterroot river and, you know, lots of just forest land. And then, uh, this house they rented had three bedrooms. It was one for them, one for my little brother who was just a couple months old. And then one for my sister, who's four years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And they said, Eric, you to live in the garage. So I literally had this plastic tarp at the end of my bed that separated my bed from the truck that pulled in. And I did have a fireplace in my half of the garage that kept me semi-warm when it would get to negative degrees in the winter. But you know, that was kind of my escape. But I also felt like he rejected, you know, you know, and and, hey, we don't want to be you around you like you're going out to the garage. Mm. And one night they came home arguing when I was 13 years old. It wasn't anything different than any other night. But I'm brushing my teeth. And I remember like so specifically, like feeling like it was God going, dude, you got to turn around and and see what's going on. So the way the house was set up was behind me was the kitchen to the pantry to my garage or to my room. And as I look around the corner, I see him on top of my mom in the pantry, just boom, boom. Boom, one shot after the other. I'm like, dude, I got to get this guy off. So I snuck up behind him. I grabbed a cast iron pan and I mm-hmm. swung as hard as I could. And I split the back of his head open and he turned around and he said, what? And as he said that, I took another swing and split his forehead open. And I swung so hard the second time I'd actually fallen over. Still didn't knock him out. He was so drunk. He was standing over yelling. He's bleeding. My mom jumps up, lands like six punches in a row on the face and blood splats on the wall. Cops show up, take him to jail for the night. My mom doesn't press charges. And then rather than him get kicked out, I got kicked out of my house. I had three months left of my freshman year of high school. So I just bounced around from friends' houses for the next three months. And then that set me on this path of destruction for the next 10 years of my life. Yeah. Wow. 
It was pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, mate, so many questions, actually. Um, <laughs> we, I'm curious to know, after what happened, well, what was next after the three months of uh, finishing up in your freshman year, going into summer, um, where, where did you land or what did you, or what happened then? So I moved back to live with my dad back in Washington and he mm-hmm. rented a house for us and he would put $20 in the cup for me to, to buy lunch money for the week. And then he'd put hunger man meals in the freezer and cereal milk in the house. And then he'd go stay with his girlfriend. So like I would see my dad in passing a few times a month, but it was basically on my own. You know, yeah. didn't have a supervision, didn't have accountability. And I started smoking pot before school at lunch, mm. after school, I was taking acid mushrooms, even to the point where I was like going to buy a bottle of Robitussin DM cough syrup because it had morphine in it. And it cost half the cost of an, a hit of acid, you know, like just mm. really diving into that drugs uh, area, those drugs in high school. And then when I was 18 years old, I got arrested for having a bong. Uh, mm-hmm. which is illegal now in the state. But at the time in 1998, when I was a senior in high school, it was not. And so I had to go to jail. I had a black and white chain gang outfit on mm-hmm. bright slippers, and, and had to go stay the night, just one night in jail. But it was scary enough where I thought I should learn my lesson, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't, <laughs> I ended up being on probation for a year. And so I didn't smoke pot, but what that did was enhance my drinking. So I started drinking really heavily and then two weeks after I graduated high school, I woke up to a post-it note on the bathroom mirror that said, you can't comply with house rules. You have 48 hours to get out. So again, I'm like, all right, crap. I got to figure this out real quick. Yeah. So I lived with some family for a few months. And between the ages of 18 and 21, I moved 21 times, living on couches here, three days here, a week there, two weeks there, and basically living off of credit cards. So by the time I'm 21, I'm $28,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy. So then I'm right back to like zero again, right? You know, and had to like be humbled there because I had to let my car get towed away. And I drove this really ghetto car that the window wouldn't even roll down. I think the heat just blasted the whole time, you know, and finally I landed a job in the music business, which was great. It was always my dream. I I don't know how to play anything, but I wanted to get involved in the sales and marketing side. And I worked for Universal Records for a year out there in Seattle. But what that did was it opened up free tab for drinking. So two years of managing a band and then work for universal i probably went to about 175 concerts and never paid for a drink yeah wow just, just living this rock star lifestyle without being a rock star you know so yeah. it was a uh, pretty crazy i got laid off my one-year anniversary during the napster days if people remember that and, and that kind of yes. set me down into some more depression but yeah that was a, the crazy kind of next 10 years yeah wow that's crazy and what was the um fast forward to to where you are now yeah. um fill in some of that time. So when I got laid off from a universal, I really was lost. I thought, well, this is just life. I didn't have a goal. I didn't have plans. And I was working at Starbucks Mm. at night and I would get off work and I'd go get a six pack of beer and I'd go to my ghetto apartment and, you know, I'd drink myself to sleep every night. I didn't have Mm -hmm. any friends really. And one night this girl walked into Starbucks and she'd come in a couple of times, but doesn't drink coffee. And and one night she said, Hey, we've got this cool college aids event. Would you be interested in going? Mm -hmm. And I said, wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm depressed. I have no friends, and she's really good looking. Absolutely. What time do I need to be there? Right? You know, that's what's going through my head. Awesome. And I I go there, and I end up knowing all these guys. Like, dude, I haven't seen you in five years. I haven't seen you in seven years. This is weird thing. I think God was planting a seed in that moment of saying, man, maybe this is where you should be going with your life. Mm-hmm. And about a month later, is Easter 2004. Managing a band, we went out and played a concert. And I woke up Easter morning, you know, me and my buddies were all passed out in my buddy's basement. And there's probably 15 of us. And, and I 
don't guide them and go, dude, you're going down this path that's going to end your life very quickly if you don't start making some serious changes. And so I decided in that moment to give my life to Christ right there in my buddy's basement. I quit cold turkey, drugs, drinking, cigarettes, everything. Mm. And I got How old were call. you then, Eric? I was 23. Yep. Yeah, 23. Uh, 23 or 24. I think it was 23, though. Yeah, um, cool. But yeah, so I, and this was in the like halfway, about probably two hour drive from Seattle. So I got in my car and I drove home. And as I'm driving, I called that girl up who invited me to that church event and I got her voicemail. I said, Hey, happy Easter. Maybe I'll see you at the Starbucks store sometime. And a month later, we're dating and now we've been married for almost 17 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. That is crazy. We're actually both born at exactly the same minute, a different really? days, different years, but on our birth certificates, it says 1:41 PM. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Let's say, I want to go back to a couple of points. Um, yeah. Like just recent, the more, more recent one is more kind of when you got laid off from universal, when you said, look, I'm back at that point and you lost, like, yeah. what was kind of your, your thought pattern then, right? Before kind of, um, meeting your now wife yeah. and, and then having a bit of a, another rock bottom moment. What was that like? Or Man, what was, was kind of going through your head then? Dude, it was, it was crazy. I had, I really had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I, I knew like when I got in the music business, I got there because I basically lied to get there. I had to, I was supposed to be in college and I went down and I was supposed to be this intern and I went down to college. I paid like $300 for an internship class, quote unquote, mm -hmm. took my receipt to universal and said, look, I'm in college, never went to a day of class. And they said, cool, you're in college, you're in. So I got, so I got in and I did that for like six months, just showed up every day, just stuff and posters. And I thought, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to work my way up in the chain. I'm going to be this music guy, be in the music industry. And so I was so pumped when after six months, they're like, dude, hey, we're going to pay you. You're going to be our mail remote coordinator. You can set up meet and greets. And so I started tracking sales and doing more in-depth stuff and, you know, sitting in on meetings of new musicians coming through town. It was really cool. And so, but I remember this moment before I got laid off, I was at this concert. I was in my early twenties and there was this girl that was there that is not old at all, but she was in her early thirties at the time. And to me at, in my early twenties, I think she's old. Right. But I remember this moment so clear. I go, I don't want to be her age continuing to go to these concerts four or five nights a week. I want to have a family. And I don't know why that moment stuck out so clear to me, but then it was like a month or two later. That's when I got laid off and I still kind of hurt. I was like, man, I, I, even though I had that vision or that, that thought, I thought that was going to be my life. I was going to be able to go into the, do the music business. And so when I got laid off, I had no idea. I didn't want to go to college. I'm not a handyman. I'm just going to go to work at Starbucks. And this is just going to be the life that I live. Mm, and yes. so I just kind of settled for what had been handed to me because I thought like all the shame and all the crap that I did, the drugs and having multiple relationships and all this stuff growing up in, in, in my early twenties, you know, like it was just like, I did that to myself and this is the life I'm going to live. Mm, mm. Um, and so gotta, yeah, so, so many more questions now in my head. Um, yeah. So when, uh, you know, when you said y'all, like you settle, right. And then you had like this, like somewhat say divine intervention, right. So to speak, yeah, where sure. you met someone that was like, you know what, like just by chance, chance or coincidence or meant to be right. Um, yeah. happened and then you were able to reach out. Why do you think, say, uh, general society, right, as, as a whole, um, mm -hmm. when they're in those times, in those like down and out times, 
stay in those down and out times. Either they don't um, like they don't open their eyes to opportunities or doors that are opening. They do, they say doors don't open. That's another question. Yeah. Like, why do you think they say, "Oh no, it's different for me," right? Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Why do you Why do you think that? I think that people get stuck in their cycles, and it, it really depends on who you surround yourself with. So if you're going to surround yourself with people, they're going to do two things. They're going to one, either hold you back or they're going to lift you up and push you into another level. And if you can find the right person, the right group of people that are going to quit holding you back and open those doors of opportunities and, and you can grow in that, like we're all called for a purpose in this life, Mm -hmm. whatever you believe in, like we've all got this plan in our life to make an impact somewhere. Mm -hmm. And the people that get stuck in these cycles are those guys that they just feel comfortable They don't want to get uncomfortable and really to make change in your life and to be successful in life and to make an impact. You've got to get uncomfortable. You've got to go hang around guys that are living the life that you want to live Mm. and go and find them. Like for me, when I moved to Idaho, I didn't know anybody, but I knew that I wanted to connect with people. And so I started like looking up on Facebook, like what are these networking groups in town? What events can I go to, to go meet people? And I had no idea who they were. I just showed up and I wanted to go talk with people. And that has built so many awesome relationships and even podcasting, like the relationships I built through podcasting, I had to get uncomfortable to go invite people. Right. So, you know, if you want to break those cycles, you've got to get uncomfortable. You've got to keep fighting and surround yourself with people that are going to lift you up. Yeah, right. Like that's why in the uncomfortable zone, that's what the, that's where the magic happens, right? Yes. That's where where you got it. You got you have to stretch yourself. You have to move move past your norm and then yep. stretch in that and and a little bit, right? Everyone's everyone's different. They kind of stretch themselves a lot and kind of just right. go. I'm going to jump head first or yep. step. And it's it's interesting. I think today's society, um, I reckon, both here in Australia and um, and over there in the states, is everyone's very just comfortable right mm. and there's this very uh quote-unquote entitled mentality um oh like the job market for sure where um we'll, we'll interview people for um for our business and they're like oh and how much do we get paid and i'm like yeah. this amount and they're like oh i thought it was going to be more and i'm like you don't have any experience um <laughs> and there's like this entitled like or comfortable where you go, you ask someone, oh, look, how's your world doing? How's your job doing? And they go, oh, yeah, it's all right. And then, but you ask, you challenge them and go, why, why don't you change it? They yeah. Go, oh, no, no, no. You don't understand. It's, it's too hard. Um, <laughs> right. why, do, yeah, why do you think currently people don't like to be uncomfortable? Oh man, it's, it's, people don't want to stretch themselves. Like they're, they get stuck in this way where they, like you said, they kind of feel entitled They're like, well, you know, I went to college and I just, I deserve this big amount of money or, you know, my family owns this restaurant or my family is a city person, like a government person or whatnot. Right. So I'm just entitled to this. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think if you don't work hard for what you want, then you're not going to appreciate the things that you get in life. Mm -hmm. So you've got to really like these guys, like, you know, if they, if they go in and they want that big high pay and they don't have experience, they're not going to love that position. They're just there for the money. And I think in life, if we're chasing money all the time, we're never going to be happy. We're never going to be fulfilled. You know, we have to make ourselves happy and before we can get that. And so I think there's so many people out there that they just need to, if they want to break that cycle, they, again, they've got to kind of realize like if they want this thing, whatever that is, for me, it's property. I want the property, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe they want uh, to own a plane or own a house or something mm-hmm. like that. 
They've got to put that in their head and work so hard for that on a daily basis. And they will obtain that eventually, but they've got to put in the work. They can't just go, hey, I'm just deserving of that. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then the, it's interesting, the people that say they're deserving of it, they, I'm not sure about you, but I always hear the complaining, right? You hear they they can complain and, um, <laughs> and you know, you, you look at some of the uh, successful people and, and successful athletes, right? Even in, um, in the combat sports and the MMA world that they, yeah. their uh, luck, so to speak, or natural talent um, wears out eventually. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got to put in the work. They yes. got to put in the work and, or they're going to end up on their ass, right? They're going to go, oh, yeah. I deserve this, or I've, I've come from a good pedigree, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't, right. doesn't last. And it's somewhat like it's a real, it's interesting. Um, it's instantaneous feedback. Right. Oh, for sure. <laughs> right. You're yeah. going you're gonna to get knocked out or you're going to get yeah. tapped out because it's instantaneous feedback of, um, did I put in the work or not? Right. Yeah. I mean, you look at the greatest athletes in the world, they're the guys that were getting up at four o'clock in the morning and, and practicing and, mm-hmm. and visualizing and, you know, the greatest fighters in the world, they're in the ring, they're in the gym, constantly practicing and practicing and practicing where you got these guys that they're like, well, I can just show up and, you know, win this fight or, you know, I can just show up and make the money playing a football game or whatnot. Right. And it's like, nah, man, you look at the greats, the greats who have done massive things made an impact in their sport and in their community in the world they're the guys that actually would would get up early in the morning and practice multiple times throughout the day and things like that they're putting in that work to make that happen yeah yeah definitely i um i know just you had to share a story on that where we yeah um it seems like a lifetime ago but i used to compete with uh full contact karate and kickboxing a while ago and i was very short i was short in comparison for my weight division, everyone's tall, lanky, and reach, and and I hadn't competed for a long time, and that was my that was my mantra. I was like, I am going to outwork anyone and everyone, and put in the work, right? Put in as much work as I can um, outside the gym, outside training, because the train everyone's doing the training, everyone's going to the gym. But how do you yeah. do that outside? And I think the the belief one, the belief that comes with that when you when you step onto the ring and step um. Uh, step onto the mat um, is just kind of groundbreaking, but then also the the skill set you get with that as well, right? But I don't think that is say common practice um, in in the outside non non sporting athletic world, right? Sure. Yep. Um, yeah. Go. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I think it's the same. Like, I mean, if, if you're an athlete and, and you're going to do that, then you've got to, you know, put in that work. And it's the same for like, if you're not a sports guy, maybe you're an entrepreneur, right? You've got to put in that time to, mm-hmm. to learn that personal development, to, to learn how to grow in yourself. And, you know, one of the things that in talking with Ed Milet one time, he told me, look, I use this thing called canny and it's on my wall here and it says constant and never ending improvement. And if we're not living that way, man, we're just going to be like, comfortable and just be complacent with where we're at and never want to grow. And and for me, I don't want to be average, man. I want to be above average, well above average. Right. So I have to do things that are going to put those wins in my column. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's that constant, as you said, that constant growth, there's a, there's a quote, like if you, if you rest, you rust, right. If uh, yes. something's not, uh, not for not moving, it, um, it gains rust eventually. Right. Right. And it's, um, it's interesting. I don't think a lot of the population think that way, uh, unfortunately. Mm. Um, True. 
but it's yeah if that constant growth and constant learning and it's what we say on the podcast is like that you're you're a lifelong learner right you're always learning you go you know it's you, you take that jump and take that leap but what yep. what can you take away from it right right um eric what what uh drew you to to mma and kind of now this like this quote unquote like marketing agency for um these mma fighters and when you say entrepreneurs is that like your show promoters and gym owners yeah. So when I say entrepreneurs, I, I really talk with, so with, between my two podcasts, I've got the top rated May show. That's where I talk with these up and coming fighters. And then the Eric Allen show, it's where I talk with entrepreneurs, world changers, and success minded people. And really they could be business owners. They could be people just making an impact in the world with a nonprofit or whatever. And so that's the two shows there. But you know, what really drew me to the MMA side of the world was at a very early age, my dad was renting like pay-per-views of Mike Tyson and boxing matches and things like that. So I always watched that as a kid. And then he would rent movies that had no English. It was just straight Chinese, like, uh, like ninja going on, like ninja fights all over Bruce Lee fights all over. Right. And like, I would just be enthralled with watching these. They didn't speak English, but I loved it. Right. And then I think I was a ninja for Halloween for like 15 years straight. That's like, awesome. Always just been like this fan of, of combat sports. And I remember being in first grade, my cousin and I, we'd walk about a mile I'd never let my kids do this in first grade now, but like, you know, we'd walk about a mile in first grade down to the VHS rental store and we'd go rent UFC one and two and three. We started watching that at a very early age. And so, you know, top rated May, my company started in 2012 and as an apparel company took off really fast and then it sunk really fast and it wasn't making any money. You know, I put an ad in Craigslist said, who wants to buy this company guy calls me offers a few grand. I decide not to sell it. And then I, I launched the podcast in 2017 and now humbly considered the number one MMA podcast out here in the Northwest and had a couple of fighters out here uh, from Australia on my show, which is awesome. And, and so awesome. love, love talking with just fighters from all over the world. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and do you train yourself at the moment? I do not. Uh, I did like boxing and karate as a kid, but never took it really serious. Uh, my, both my kids though are in jujitsu classes right now and, and they love it and they've only been doing it for about two months but to see the confidence in them grow from the first day to where they're at today it's, it's huge and just the discipline that they bring home from that mm. i love seeing them grow each week yeah and i think it's um i'm a firm believer of getting getting kids in in a martial art or yeah. uh um like jujitsu is awesome because it is it's like a chess game it's not just uh just the discipline it is uh, it's it's teaching the kids or even adults right to to think outside the box right with your body right usually yes. we're in the room or in the classroom we're taught to think outside the box at times um, with pen and paper but it's like with your body right and go how do we how do we kind of get out of this how old are your kids Eric eleven and eight and they oh, awesome. they love it man and and they've never done anything like that so we weren't really sure like how they would react or if they would like to the cool thing is my kids are cool man and I'm gonna brag about my kids like of course they'll do the best and everything right but like they get in there they have such confidence and they're like okay we're gonna do this and then they get submitted quick by the coach or whatnot and they're like okay I knew I learned that you know and now my kid both my kids are going in there and, and, you know, they're doing really, really well in class and continuing to grow and learn new moves each week. So it's just so much fun to, to see them enjoy something that much. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, that's a good, good segue. So Eric, from um, what, from your, your upbringing, right. Mm -hmm. um, from um, multiple different households to now being, um, being a father of two, right. How's that influenced? your perspective, 
or of parenting and um and like how what is that instilled in you as a parent now yeah it, it opened up the eyes like for me i knew exactly what i didn't want to be like as a parent you know seeing all of the the, the missteps that my parents had and you know i i didn't want to bring that into my marriage and my wife she came from a broken home too and it was mm. different scenarios but like we both kind of came from this yucky stuff and we knew that when we came together and got married that we didn't want to bring that junk in now we also brought some baggage into the marriage, right? Mm -hmm. Like stuff that just kind of stuck with this. So I was very defensive, like, cause I was always blamed for stuff. So I had to work through that. I had to go to counseling things like that. But I think my perspective in being a dad was like, I never want my kids to experience the life that I had as a kid. Mm -hmm. And my goal as a dad is to make sure that I'm protecting them and keeping them safe, but changing the legacy from the, for Allen tribe moving forward, they'll never experience the crap that I had to deal with as a kid. Mm. And so my goal is to raise my kids to be confident and strong. And then but loving people like my kids, they love to love on people. Like if they see the kid sitting by himself at the lunchroom, they're going to go sit by him. Like if they see someone in uniform, they're going to go up and say, thank you so much. Like it was something that we've always done since they were a kid. But even mm -hmm. now at 11 and eight, they go, dad, there's someone in uniform. There's an army guy. Let's go say, thank you. Like they love to be able to do that. And they just, I, I'm proud of that, that they, they do that. But I think my perspective is just like, you know what? They're never going to experience that junk that we're going to change things moving forward. We're going to break the chains of abuse, addiction, rejection. All of that is gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, why do you think it is hard to, um, for some to break that chain. Yeah, it's, it, they get comfortable. You know, if we go mm -hmm. back to that, like, you know, there are these cycles where people are, are stuck on food stamps and welfare and they mm -hmm. keep going generation after generation and generation. It's, it's because they, they, they never want to get out of that, that mindset of like, Hey, you know what, this is what my parents did. This is what my grandparents did. I'm just going to keep doing this because it's, it's what I'm supposed to do. And I think they get the, also they get negative talk from people. If you try to change that, Oh, you're just too good. You don't want to be this. You don't want to continue this family business, or you don't want to continue to be around us, you know? So they're going to hear that and they let that sink in, mm -hmm. but the strong ones that can break those cycles, they hear that and they go throw it out. Right. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm called to be a bigger I, there's a bigger purpose for my life and I can, I can stop and I can get rid of that. And, you know, one thing that I love to say is like our past and other people's opinions does not define our future. We can make that change at any point and start changing lives and, and making impacts as soon as we decide to. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, as you say that, um, that mentality of your current tribe, when if you go to think outside of that, go to pull you down, you yeah. go, nah, as you said, no, nah, don't do that. You're too good for us. And mm -hmm. then it's, it's easy, right? Those are the people that you're around. Those are the people that you value their uh, opinions. Sometimes they're really close family members, maybe even your partner. And it's hard to go either to turn that voice off or to, yes. or to move away from them because they're, they're your loved ones and they go, they bring you down. It's, it is hard. I, I, I think it's the, the top five people that you surround yourself is like you're a product of them. Right. Yes. Um, absolutely. Good, good, bad, good, bad, indifferent or ugly. Um, yep. You're you're a product of them, and it's. I'm always uh, aware of like say influences of that we that we digest. Right. So even with uh with our kids on what are they watching, what are they doing, or if they what if they are watching something that I'm like, oh, I don't really want you to watch that. I'll give them some context. And yes. Hey, look, just letting you know that's this A, B, and C, and then so they have some context on it because they, it's like. Um, because at the moment, oh, we've just come out of it. But, um, Melbourne's been in like COVID-19 lockdown. So everyone's kind of back into 
homeschooling for a little bit. So human connection yeah. is at its bare minimum, right? So their their environment or their tribe is is minimal. So it's mm-hmm. like, hold on, these are there. Now we can kind of I can control it a little bit more and go, hey, look, these are some better influences. How about this? How about that? And it's it's really interesting where people go, oh, but my friends wouldn't. My friends would think I'm just crazy on that. I'm like, well, maybe maybe you need new friends. Yeah. Oh, true. I, I'm the same way. You know, like we we really like we want our kids to have fun, but our kids are are creative. They love Legos. They love drawing. They love building things, right? And we've just kind of since day one said we don't need TV time all the time. So mm-hmm. we have family movies on Fridays, and we maybe watch a movie on Saturday morning. Uh, maybe on Sunday we might watch a you know a Sunday afternoon movie while Dad yeah. sleeps on the couch, right? Like yeah. you know that but that's about it my kids don't have cell phones they don't have access to youtube they don't have access to the internet unless i'm there you know and and my wife and i we go you know we grew up in the 80s so we're watching movies that you know we grew up on and then we go to show them to our kids right like, whoa that's definitely not kid appropriate right <laughs> like, we gotta we gotta take that movie off you know like why was that rated that much you know <laughs> yeah 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 definitely definitely and i think it's um they uh i talked to her uh on a couple other podcasts that i think play is underrated, right? And uh, play yeah. as as adults, and you probably see it when you see um, some of the athletes that you have on your show train and stuff. And when they're when they're training, um, yeah, it's serious. They're training for a fight, but they're also playing, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Question, and may, maybe you, you do see it. Why do you think uh, adults don't play as much? Mm. I think they get stuck in this, this like mode of I'm, I have to provide for my family and whatever it takes, I got to do that. And I'm just going to work as hard as I can. The problem is that they do that. They're not connecting with their family and then they're drawing this separation between them. Right. So, you know, you have to set boundaries for me, you know, five o'clock at the end of the day, it's time for me to shut down everything. And then it's put my cell phone away and go hang out with family. And, you know, when you talk about play, like my wife and I, we love to play with our kids. In fact, to the point where we took a pool that we had for our kids that we had it for one summer out in the backyard, it's 10 foot long. It's like four feet wide. It's a big pool. And we put it down in our basement during the winter. And mm-hmm. we're like, what are we going to do with it? So my wife being the genius that she is, she bought 6,000 balls off YouTube or off Amazon. And we have a ball pit downstairs in our basement. That's, you know, germ free and snot free, but it's just us and our kids. And we can go down there and it's the most funnest time ever as a family, just hanging out in the ball pit. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, mate, I want to uh, send me a photo of that. That is awesome. Yeah, that is very sure. cool. That is, especially in the, uh, especially in the winters over there, right? Like I know, yeah, um, been having living on the uh, on the east coast there. The winters are the winters are long. They're long totally. and brutal, and there's only there's only so much snow time that you can actually play in, and um, right. and especially there's times when the days are shorter, and it's like it's dark at pitch black at three o'clock in the afternoon, and, and totally. it's when you sun up at like ten a.m. and you're like, where's the sun? Yeah, you go to work, and in the dark you come come home, and it's dark. Um, right. Now that ball pit idea is awesome. Yeah, it, it's so much fun. And, you know, we try to we try to make it fun inside the basement, right? So we've got like a, you know, basketball hoop thing. We've got a pitching net for my son to practice pitching. And um, it's it's not finished basement. So we have this open space down there. So it's just, we've turned it into this fun experience place that we can all go to as a family. We've got huge pillows if we want to watch a movie down there. But <laughs> the ball pit and the basketball and Nerf gun wars, we do all of that downstairs. It's just kind of this fun area for us to go that's awesome. That's awesome. Eric, I want to go back to when, uh, like you've had multiple times you've had, uh, had a choice, 
right in the in your life like uh probably multiple doors but somewhat just for simplicity like door a and door b right and yep. uh door a is the easiest easiest door door a would have left you where it is most as we talked about most comfortable right and yeah. door b is a little bit outside the circle right it's a it's a little bit of a change a little bit uncomfortable even even that step when you went to universal right a little bit outside a stretch um it was it was magic on that side when you took that step, right? Um, yep. And then even after um, to to calling up uh, your near wife and going, "Hey, look, you know what? What is that function actually? I'm, I, I want to come, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what would be what would in those times, right? Those pivotal times that are somewhat defined, like kind of like where you are, and I think I I, I believe like our life is made up of a series of choices, right? And yeah. um, and it's like a, it's a pattern and whatever choices we made is has got us where, where we are now. And yep. So what do you think, uh, what would you give to people that are facing choices, right? Um, what would be some of your learnings that you go, that you would impart on them and especially like if they are down and out, if they mm. are down and out and they've, somewhat maybe lost a bit of hope. Um, Yeah. What would you say to them? I think, you know, one of the big things that I do is I have to visualize the life that I want. Right. So Mm -hmm. if you go with these, these choices and I've made a lot of bad choices in my life, a lot. And I dealt with the shame and embarrassment and didn't want to live life. Like I just was like, you know what, I'm going to live this, this life of normality. And because I'm not deserving of this and, you know, I, I messed up here and I did that. And, you know, I came across this quote that Tony Robbins says, and it says, the purpose of pain is to move us into action. It is not to make us suffer. And I think when I, when I heard that, I was like, man, the pain that I went through, the suffering that I went through, the shame, the embarrassment, that stuff that just helped me to build the character that I am today. You know, Ed Milet and Tony both say, you know, life happens for us, not to us. Mm-hmm. And if we can make that choice to get away from that, man, our life can open up so many doors and give us so many more choices, you know, and I look back and I go, man, I made the right choice here. I made the right choice there, but man, that choice there, that sucked. I shouldn't have done that, but you have to deal with that. And, you know, like I said, I, I had dealt with that for a long time. I went through counseling. I had to try to figure out like, why did I become the person that I was in my, in my early married years? Like, why do I still deal with this stuff? And I'm 41 now. I didn't share my story publicly till I was 39 and it was such a huge weight off my shoulders when I decided to start sharing this story and hopefully impacting people with it. Yeah, awesome. Um, when you, uh, I just forgot my question then. Uh, when you were talking about the, um, the just not the uncomfortable or the, um, sorry, uh, not lost it. I was, I was gonna, I had, uh, I had a question and I was like, no, nah, not nah, lost it. Um, choice, uncomfortability. No, nah, it will come back to me. It will will come back to me. Um, When you were, uh, oh, sorry. When you're talking about the things happen uh, for us and to us, right? um, I was like the the saying of I I get to, not I have to, right? Yes. And um, why, how do you think people can open up or listen to um, these, these coincidences, right? So I think we, Earlier on in that podcast, we talked about uh, teachings from the universe, right? And we go, look, yep. whatever you call universe, Christ, uh, Buddha, whoever you, whatever you believe in, right? Like, yep. um, and you said this pain, pain comes um, for not for suffering, for action, which is really interesting because I think if 
there is no pain, there is no change of behavior, which yes. is really interesting. And the pain is going to get uh, stronger and stronger until there is change. And it's like uh, um, it's like the the universe or whoever uh, whoever you believe in is going to yeah. keep giving you signs or opportunities. Um, but and until you listen, but with that, the pain's going to increase. And like, oh, well, if you're not going to make a change, I'm just going to make it harder for you, totally. right? Um, <laughs> yeah, which is really interesting. And how have you say put together some of those pieces? Because so now you are um, you're you're heavily involved uh, with the church. Is that correct? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, we're not heavily involved. But we go to church and and you know we read the Bible and stuff like that. But uh, you know, I'm not a pastor or anything like that. But you know, I love being able to uh, live a life where I wake up and spend time in prayer and things like that. So very grateful for that. And, and just being able to raise my kids in that environment, like mm -hmm. that's huge for me. And, you know, when we first got married, my wife and I went down to Mexico and we built homes, uh, for people that didn't have homes, you know, yeah, we well. did that for two years straight, you know, and it was just like, go down there on a Friday, we build a home on a Saturday. And then Sunday we hand them the keys. And it's like, you know, we're all standing around going, man, we just gave somebody literally from dirt floor to concrete. And now they've got beds in the door and that locks and they've got windows in the house. And we do this key ceremony and all the men were all just booger crying because it's so emotional to see, you know, what we did for these folks, but then it hits us more than probably them. Yeah. Yeah. How would you get people to listen to listen to their pain in a, um, in a resourceful manner, right? I think a lot of it's easy to uh, to listen to pain in an unresourceful manner, right? Where we go yep. to alcohol, uh, we go to alcohol or go to drugs uh, or go to abuse, right? Um, like it's they're, they're the easy, it's the easy dullers, right? So to speak, or the numbers of um of, of that pain in that potentially unresourceful way. How do you suggest or recommend people listen to their pain in a resourceful way to lead to 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 good actions? One, I think that to get rid of that pain and you're, you're sitting in there and find those resourceful areas is you can do it first thing in the morning. Mm. One, like if you open your eyes, that's win number one, right? Like you're alive to, to do something for that day. Maybe it's just to eat, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe it's to say hi to somebody or smile to someone. So for me, if I wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning and my eyes open up, there's win number one. I jump out of bed, I make my bed, there's two wins in 15 seconds. Man, it's going to be an awesome day. Like mentally you have to go, I'm so blessed that I get to open my eyes today, whatever the situation is. Like if you're not making the money that you want, or you're stuck and you feel like you're in this cycle of like, you know, family tragedy or trauma or drama, man, if you open your eyes, you've got a calling on your life for that day to go and make an impact somewhere. And so I think resourceful wise, turn on podcasts, listen to people's stories. How did they get out of that? Surround yourself with the right people that are going to be able to lift you up again, not holding you back, but people that can really motivate and encourage you to step out of your comfort zone so that you can be successful. You can get away from that pain and you can listen to people's podcast on video or whatnot, right? And listen to how people were able to get through that and then take, take action, right? That's a big thing. You can say that all day. Yep. I want to do this. I want to get out of this pain. I want to, you know, break free from this chain or break free from the cycle, but unless you take action, you're going to sit right there the whole time and you'll never move. Mm -hmm. um, you touched on one thing and I want to ask you, what, um, what is your morning routine? Yeah, 4 a.m., what, what, six what, days a week. Yeah, walk, walk, walk me through it. What, uh, what, uh, what does it <laughs> comprise of? 
So I get up 4 a.m. I, you know, again, open my eyes, win number one, make the bed. There's two wins. And then I go work out for an hour and I come up to the office and, and I created a vision wall in my office. So I've got pictures of my family. I've got quotes that I want. I've got my goals on the wall. I've got the property that I want. I've got people that I want to meet. And I audibly speak out loud to every single picture on that. And people think that might be cheesy, but if you're not saying it out loud, your brain's not going to just accept it. You're going to just, if you're just thinking that you're going to have outside thoughts coming in, but I physically out loud, say what I need to, to those pictures. I am this person. I will meet you. I look forward to meeting you. I'm fighting for you. I love you. I'm so proud of you. You know, it's my family. I read these quotes and then I go through these affirmations that I've created for myself. And I read through those and the whole time I've got worship music playing. And so then when I'm done with all of that, I sit down and just pray. And my prayer time is really just being grateful, man. Thank you for my family, for health, for protection, for keeping us safe, for, you know, allowing us to have this home, allowing us to be debt-free, allowing us to be able to provide food. Please give us an opportunity to make an impact on people today. You know, my personal goal is I want to put a smile on someone's face every single day, whether that I'm at the store or if it's virtually. But if I see somebody at the store or a restaurant, they've got a name tag for a reason. It's not just to complain about them. It's just encourage them, man. Hey, thank you so much for that. Thank you and call them by name. And so that's really my morning routine. And I do that until about 630 in the morning and I make my lunch or my, my kids lunch and breakfast, take them to school. Right. And then at eight o'clock, I start my full-time job and then five o'clock it's the day's over. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. That's very cool. Um, and the key thing too, on those morning routines is if you're going to, if what I would recommend doing is it almost start, it, it really does start the night before. So before you go to bed, write a post-it of what you need to get done in the first thing in the morning. So I write a post-it and here's the things I need to do when I get up to the office, because if you don't have this post-it or to-do list, by the time you get up to the office in the morning, you're going to flip through Instagram and Facebook and you're going to get lost and all that stuff. But if you had that to-do list that you did the night before, you know exactly what you need to do to kind of make sure that you're hitting those priorities. Yeah, definitely. It is, um, yeah, it's it's about um, preparing, right? Preparing yourself for success, right? And stacking yes. stacking the odds uh, for success. Otherwise, it's like, say, if you are going to work out in the morning, lay your clothes out the night before, right? Yep. And if um, you're going to uh, do something like write your potential, your to-do list, as you said, right? Uh, mm -hmm. not the night before. Otherwise, you get up in the morning, you said it's easier to flick through Instagram. It's easier yep. to go, alarm goes off. It might be a little cold outside. Um, it's easy. It's as easy to do those things, right? So yep. um, it is all about kind of stacking stacking those odds. For sure. Yep. Yeah. Eric, what's um one thing that you want to leave our listeners with? One thing that you can um that you can impart. It's like I call it like the your your bumper sticker. So if you were to create the Eric yeah. Allen bumper sticker, what would you say to our listeners? Man, my big thing is just love people where they're at. Like it's not my job to judge anybody for whatever they're I mean, if you're not hurting anybody and you're not hurting yourself, man, just love people where they're at. I don't care who you're voted for, what your sexual preference is, if you wear a mask or not, if you like the vaccination or not. I'm just going to love you where you're at. And I think if the world just loved people where they're at versus judging them or whatever it is, like just love people where they're at, the world would be a 10 times a better place, man. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, Eric, thank you for joining us um, today and um, imparting, um, yeah, your knowledge and the conversation on an incredible <laughs> journey. So, and I think our listeners will take take a lot lot away from it. And I think we we definitely talked about a lot. And I think there will be there's probably quite a high potential of a uh, a part two 
I think, uh, part yeah. two later on for Anytime, sure. Anytime, so, man. Yeah, no, thank you very much for uh, for joining us today. Oh, thank you, man. It's such an honor, man. I really I love the conversation we had. Thank you so much. Yeah, awesome. And we'll um, we'll put in the show notes on uh, ways to connect with, with Eric and how you can reach out and you can continue some conversations uh, with Eric as well. But uh, thank you again. Yes, thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Lifelong Learner. If you liked our episode and what you heard, please leave us a review on uh, the platform that you've been listening on. And to find out more about us, please tune in to lifelonglearnerpodcast.com and you can find out some updates about what's happening and get updates on as episodes drop. Thanks again.